I've been Team Green Shake like since since I was a jit. <laughs> so I, I was taking barley greens back in the nineties. So like taking green shakes or like mixing green anything into 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 a beverage that I drink first thing in the morning, it, it feel it makes me feel like I'm healthy. You know, it's like home for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it yeah. transports me. And yeah. athletic greens taste good. It's almost like they snuck some some fruit in there. I, I taste I taste a little fruit. Do y'all get that? Like the little, I little do. Mango, so honestly, little strawberry, pineapple. Yeah. Little pineapple. I'm saying pine, a little pineapple. Yeah. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash GGT. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash GGT to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Man, I, I just get so excited anytime. Um, well, it, it's it's very infrequent that we talk to professional golfers on this podcast. Yeah. Really, and that's it's it's intentional. Um, I think I was having this conversation the other day. Unlike professional football or baseball basketball even you know those players kind of gravitate toward the microphone right like they they love having the platform they love to to spill the tea a little bit some people doing a little bit too much (laughs) in in recent in recent days (coughs) Kyrie um (laughs) but golfers for whatever reason you know seem to be a little bit more buttoned up and, and yeah. tend to shy away from from letting us behind the curtain. Um, but the pros that we do reach out to, you know, it's it's intentional. It's 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 for a purpose. And um, we've been following your story for a while, rooting you on from, you know, our our little necks of the woods and, you know, keep tabs <laughs> on you. And the three headed Hydra that is group golf therapy. Has been. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So th- this was a long time coming, man, and I'm I'm glad you said yes to it. Honored to be here. Just glad that someone's doing something on this side of the spectrum when it comes to talking about golf. You know, I think more light needs to be shed on just mental health. Period. Let alone the golf side of it. For yeah. sure. That was a good point, though, Brad and, and Daniel. Why why do you think that is? Like, well, I guess first of all, do you agree that golfers tend to be more professional? Golfers tend to be more buttoned up on the mic when it comes to sharing how they're doing and and what they're working on and things like that? And if so, why do you think that is? Yo, as a golfer, you kind of have to be selfish, you know, because it's just you. Yeah. So you have to um, keep your cards close. If you do talk, you have to be able to back it up if you say anything of any sort, you know what I mean? So it's just you talking. So I think a lot of golfers are more buttoned up and closer to the chest for that reason. Mm, yeah. it's a good point. Yeah, I can see that. You're not trying to make enemies and you're not trying to make friends necessarily either. You right. just yeah, you know, right. you're trying to, you know, you 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 are your own brand. So yeah. you you don't really, you know, you know, you represent sponsors and, and and things like that, but other than that it's just it's just you out there, man. Yep. And you are your own competition in a way too, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're peeling back the layers a little bit. It's making a little bit more sense. The the, the cynical part of me is like Oh, they just don't want to piss their sponsors off by like 
saying how they feel about certain things. But then again, on the other side of the microphone, the folks asking the questions don't always like dig that deep either. So no. there's there's like a little chess match being played, except <laughs> everyone knows what the moves are ahead right. of time. Right. Like, <laughs> like you can see those questions going a mile away. Yeah. How'd you hit that seven iron? That's a different question, see? You still like when it comes to golf itself, speaking to the media is a different thing than talking about like your personal background or yeah. how you feel in the it's a whole different bowl game. So like if you're talking about a round of golf, if it went well, if it didn't go well, you know, you kind of have to keep it a little bit closer because you don't want to be thinking too far ahead because golf is literally shot by shot, right? Mm. Whereas with life, I mean, it is step by step and day by day, but you can talk about your past experiences and how you made it through. So it's a little bit different than an actual like a uh, round of golf talking about that. Yeah. When you're in grind mode, when you're in get better mode, and and even when it comes to tournament day taking it step by step, shot by shot. What are some things that get you locked into that place that make you feel present, that make you feel aware and comfortable? Because it's, you know, have, the three of us played college golf, we play, albeit at a very poor level. So, but we, we do understand to some degree, to some degree, a very small degree. You, you didn't have to throw yourself under the bus like that. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, we do it. We, we throw enough of ourselves under the bus all the time. Yeah, um, fully under the bus. But we, we do understand the, to a limited degree, like the, the pressures that tournament golf provides, like whether you're competing for your local uh, you know, member guest tournament, or if you're competing at the highest level for a major championship, you're your own competitor, you're your own worst enemy on the golf course. But how do you get yourself out of your own way? That is the toughest thing to do, I would say, is getting out of your own way. Because yeah. you, you, so I would say first thing, get rid of expectations. Like if you're playing poor before a tournament, don't worry about it. If you're playing well before a tournament, don't worry about it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been into a tournament thinking I'm going to shoot 80 today and I go out and shoot six under. And I couldn't tell you how many, <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many times I've been into a tournament thinking I'm going to shoot 59 soon. And then I go and shoot one over. Like it's, it's the expectations that get in the way that cause you to think outside of that first step. Mm. So like that was, that's always my biggest thing is drop expectations, go into a tournament, just try and find my rhythm, which for me, it's uh, usually I'm smiling when I'm playing well, it's not so much just smiling, but I should say I'm in a happier mood. It's when I'm trying to be too serious that I'm outside of my zone. No, someone like Tiger would tell you something different. Tiger's zone is, you know, stone look, stone cold face, blue steel sort of a look. Killer. Don't talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, killer, mm -hmm. like killer. But for me, <laughs> my killer instinct is when I'm smiling. Like, I'll t <laughs> like I, I want to beat you, but I'm going to smile and beat you. Be like, hey, you know, it's nice whooping that, that, that butt today, you know. But, right, uh, right. but yeah. have a nice day. Like, that. that's for me is my, my, my zone. It's like when you, when you dunk on somebody, I don't know what that's like. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you can imagine. I don't know if any of us know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Definitely not. When you dunk on somebody and then you like, pick them up after like hey, yeah yeah i see you dog good effort you know <laughs> yeah i still beat that ass but good but effort good effort yeah <laughs> yeah good try good try. It, it's for me it's the exact same sort of a thing it's like i'll pick you up you know what i mean after i beat you but just know mm -hmm. i want to beat you yeah right when you're in the zone when you are smiling when you're feeling your best self i think as you described is when 
you know, you're locked in, you're playing your best, or you feel like you're going to play your best. What are you tapping into to, to unlock that joy? Like what mm. puts a smile on your face when you're competing? Cause others, like you said, like Tiger, for example, greatest to ever do it. He's like, he literally like hypnotizes himself into mm-hmm. being that locked in player. But for you, it's quite the opposite. So he's got something to tap into. And I'm, I'm curious as to what you're tapping into or what you're thinking about what's on the 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 forefront of your mind i would say for me being mindful of where i am and how far i've come from my childhood to playing in the states and high school and college coming from a small country like bermuda putting everything into perspective for me makes me happy about my situation and where i am right now and that usually keeps me in a good place as well as like being mindful about you know some of the courses that we're playing if I would have told my younger self that I'll be playing for 40K at Baltus Roll someday <laughs> in an AP, you know, not necessarily be in an APGA event, but to play a Baltus Roll, then I'll be like, yeah. oh, yeah, let's go. Let's like, like, you know, get me there sooner. But it's like taking those things into perspective that help me to get into my zone. Or um, it could be something as simple as like me just flushing a five iron on the range. I right, mean, that mm. felt great. You know, mm. let's just carry that great bottle feeling. That. Yeah, bottle mm. it up. And yeah. for me, it's important to remember uh, a lot of the good that I do. If I get off to like a shaky start where I don't necessarily hit a great drive off the first tee and then my second shot's not that great, just tell myself, well, you know, you're a big man with soft hands. Let's get up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. I have yes. a similar motto. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear it. What's your motto, man? It's just that I'm, I'm, I don't hit a lot of greens, but I feel like I, I tell myself I can get up and down from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, his, his is the exact same quote, except he's a big man with a soft ass. Please. So there was quite a big story written on you in golf digest talking about your childhood you you mentioned your, your childhood you um usually we save this question for the end of the podcast when we talk about you know what the conversation with the younger version of yourself would look like on the golf course um but in this article specifically it talks about your childhood and the troubles that you went through as as a young boy you know you were you were an innocent child yeah. and you were a victim, essentially. And despite those experiences when you were younger, you still find joy in your childhood or, or telling your your younger self, you know, look at where we've gone. Look at what we're able to do now. In your own words or, you know, however you feel comfortable, can you – well, th- we're introducing you essentially to our audience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. many of them maybe don't know your story. So to the extent that you're comfortable, can you talk a little bit about your childhood experiences and how that's propelled you to have something to tap into, to, to find joy in? Yeah. So uh, my father was murdered when I was three. He was stabbed and then pronounced dead on the scene. And then my mother remarried when I was six and my stepfather was abusive. Obviously, having lost your real father and then the man that married your mother, him beating on you whenever he feels like it, it's not a, just not a good place to be in for any child. And um, I look at it 
as it's made me and, and molded me into the man that I am today. I wouldn't be as persistent and as dedicated as I am to my craft if it had not been for those things. Like I was introduced to golf after my father had passed away. So I wouldn't be playing this sport. And I know it may not sound great, but I may not be here talking to you guys today had my father not passed away. And um, it, it's so many it's so many pieces to it. Again, it's, it's made me stronger. It's made me realize that I can make it through anything. It's, it's helped me to understand that, you know, even though things may be going wrong around me, it's not me. It's not my fault. It's not uh it's not my cause you know what i mean like i'm not the reason why my stepfather was abusive i'm not the reason why my father had passed away and it also allows me to be able to talk to others that may be going through something similar because how many kids are being abused or how many in the black community especially how many kids don't have the fathers in the household and it leaves you with a sense of um feeling like you're lesser than you know, you go and spend time at your friend's house and, you know, the father's there and they're playing with them too. And, you know, that leaves you feeling like, man, like I'm, I'm less than this person. Like they, yeah. I don't get to experience this joy that they're experiencing. And you realize mm-hmm. it even at a young age. Like I remember like being five, six years old, just again, looking at my friends, everyone's father's there as well as the mother for a prize giving ceremony or for a golf tournament. Or something like that. And the father's there, you know, saying, I'm so proud of my son. I never heard that. Mm. Mm. You know, right. I, I can only hear that through his friends or my mother. Like, your father would be so proud of me. But I never heard those words uttered out of my father's mouth. It, again, just leaves you wanting more. Uh, leaves you in a place of, like, again, feeling less than what you are. But I would tell my younger self, man, you're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. You're going to be great. You're going to be one of the best black golfers in in the world. Like for me to be able to sit here and say that now, it even gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. uh, to say that I finished sixth in the points on the APGA tour, the home of black golf right now. Mm-hmm. To, to say that I'm one of the best black golfers in the world is in itself, I could tell my younger self like, hey, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. Not only are you going to make it through this, but you're going to make it through it flying colors and you're only going to get better. Yeah. Mm. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, within the black community, we hear sayings like it, take, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Listening to, to you describe that, um, sounds like your village at a young age wasn't in your corner when it should have been. And for a lot of us, you know, we have the, we have the advantage of maybe a, a friend of our mom or dad, or maybe a godfather or an uncle that can model, you know, what a father figure is supposed to look like and, and feel like, and be like you, you know, you, you saw your friends and their dads were the ones, the primary ones congratulating them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so proud of you, son. Mm. Like you came for me. You're my son. I'm proud of you. And I think there's a piece that we can get from folks that are not maybe our biological fathers, right? There's like your godfather, your uncle, your coach, your trainer, they can model what that looks like. 
but I, I, sorry. <laughs> um, my, my, I guess my question is who are those positive male figures for you in, in that vacuum, right? Like you, you did not have that, that father figure who loved on you the right way, who modeled what a father figure is supposed to be like and encouraged you and, and pushed you. Um, but who are some of those other male positive figures in your life at a young age? So first I would say it would be my, uh, my mother's father, my grandfather. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Um, whenever things would go wrong, I ended up going over their house and they showed me what black love, not just love period, but black love, what it looks like when it's fulfilled. Uh, my, my grandfather, he did have an illness um, and he did pass away a few years ago, but he, I would say, was the man that showed me and always showed me what love looked like coming from a man to a son. I was pretty much like the last child, even though I was the grandchild. And he, he, would, take, he would pick me up from a nursery school after my father had passed away and carry me on his shoulders. And like, I still remember that, like have visuals of it, even though I was like four, three or four at the time, like those sorts of things. Like he was the first father figure that I ever had. And every time I think about him, you know, I just smile. He taught me how to, he taught me how to play uh, soccer. He used to take me down to the field and play cricket with me. Uh, if I had the golf club, if I had a golf club with me, he would take me down to the field. It was a field, uh, say about half a mile from, his hopes and he would just take me down there and let me play and he would watch me and um built a lot of great memories through him he was the first one i would say that was a, like a father figure as well as my uncles on my mother's side my mother was the only girl so i had uh five uncles unfortunately um, three of them have passed and uh another one uh my uncle keith he passed when i was 19 he taught me how to cook he taught me how to take care of myself. He used to take me fishing. Like, so I had, I still had somewhat of a village and I still had men that would step in and um, help out so much. My uh, trainer, who was also one of my uncle's best friend, my Uncle George, I call him, in Bermuda, he was another one. Uh, me and his son were really good friends growing up, so I spent time at their house as well. And, um, you know, he always made me feel like I was his child as well. You know, if ever I needed something, I could call him up and he would direct me in the right uh, direction. So I did have positive male figures in my life that did always make sure that I was safe. That's important, man. Uh, you you yeah. need that. I'm curious when, when you were in that field with your grandfather and let's say you had a golf club with you, first of all, how many golf balls did you take with you? And was he shagging them for you no, or no. was he making you? Go <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I would hit, go get it, come back or hit it back. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was simply there just watching. He's old school. Yeah. <laughs> playing, playing fetch with yourself. All, all right, go, go, right. go pick them up now. All right, go pick them up. <laughs> it wasn't any. Even that is important. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause under, under his care, you know, under his supervision, you felt safe. Yeah. And that's so important. Whenever I was at my, like, yeah. my favorite place to be when I was younger was at my grandparents' house. You know, I always knew I was safe there because my, my stepfather wasn't welcome there at all. One of my uncles, my uncle Keith, like I was telling you about, he wouldn't let him 
<laughs> walk up the steps, let alone <laughs> enter the house. So I always knew I was safe there. I fuck with Uncle Keith. Yeah, Uncle Keith was the man. Yeah, Uncle Keith. I fuck with Uncle Keith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your grandfather too, like giving you something to do, not only giving you a place of safety, but giving you something positive and productive to to do. I think we so often, when we think about parenting or we think about raising a child and you think about like spending quality time with with a young person, your mind naturally jumps to spoiling them in a way like take you know taking care of them by taking them to an amusement park or the movie theaters but when when i think back to when i was a kid honestly the moments that i craved were like just following the older people in my life around Mm -hmm. watching Mm -hmm. them do chores and getting to participate in that with them and and feeling useful in some way and and maybe learning something in addition to that and sounds like you got a really cool experience and a, and a powerful one that obviously led to your ultimate, your, your career. Yeah. So again, shout out to Uncle Keith, rest in peace. He, like I said, one of my favorite things to do was to actually cook with him. Like we would go to the grocery store, oh, yeah. buy just whatever. And when they say he was a great chef, he, he honestly, I feel like he could have opened a restaurant and just made soul food and uh, desserts and would have made a mm-hmm. killing off of it. <laughs> but that was probably some of my happier day. I'm a big dude, so you already know I love to eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, like he he taught me how to make an upside uh, pineapple upside dawn cake. We made uh, mm. flapjacks, anything from lasagna to spaghetti and meatballs to meatloaf, hamburgers, like anything, whatever we could get our hands on, and. I can actually cook. Like I don't burn the house down when I, <laughs> when I <laughs> <have> food. <laughs> and that's that's thanks to him. Um, macaroni and cheese, anything you name it, we made everything and anything. And those were some of my fondest memories as a child. That's beautiful. Okay, I want you to to bottle that, whatever that sentiment is for you, and hold that because we're gonna come back to a food yeah. question. Put at a the pin end. in that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's important. All right. Um, I also want to say, like, isn't it funny how, like, for me, like, my grandmother on my mom's side is, like, the best cook to ever live. (laughs) Isn't it funny how, like, those people in your life, their pots and pans are always, like, fucked up? Nasty. (laughs) Crusty. (laughs) Years of of food. Yeah. That have been cooked in there. (laughs) Totally. So, so many, so many flavors baked into this fucking. Exactly. (laughs) In the the mother sauce pan. I was just thinking cast iron pan that my nana had at the house that my uncle Keith used to cook with. I don't know what it was about this cast iron pan, but whenever we cook something in it, when they tell you it was the best, I mean yes. it, I don't know what it was. I, I guess it does just soak up all the uh, flavor from the past. So, yeah, they're they're well seasoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's generational, that shit. It's, it, and, and it crosses generational seasoning. It, it, it crosses like like cuisines right like yeah like you can yeah, make yeah, yeah. you can make pancakes in that same pan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also make like a bomb ass hamburger and it'll still turn out fire right you know? right and your pancakes <laughs> might be a little beefy and your 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 hamburger might be a little pancake Glit- but like Glit- you know, Glit- Glit- glutinous yeah glutinous. <laughs> <laughs> that's great man daniel I, I when i when i heard you talk about your your childhood, especially looking back on it, I I heard you talk with so much 
self-worth. Like I, I heard you voice being so proud of who you are now. And I think that is so amazing, especially considering hearing where you came from, where you started and, and your journey through your childhood. Because like when, when kids are kids, like they only know the world that is presented to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And you even mentioned, you know, when you were five or six years old, seeing other people's situations around you and thinking this, uh, that's not what I have. Um, and I wonder if the question of worth came up for you as a kid, what you felt worthy of as a child. And again, to hear you voice such confident self-worth as an adult, I'm curious where that transition happened, how that transition happened. So another shout out, Michael Sims, my uh, psych coach, my psychologist. He is a large reason behind where I am mentally now today. I mean, he always tells me, of course, I have to put the work in, but if it had not been for his help and his, uh, he took time out to help me out, I wouldn't have this mindset. He gave me yeah. the proper coaching, life coaching to do to get to this point. You know, I say affirmations every morning. I had to look in the mirror and as strange as the sun, tell myself that I love myself, that I am worthy mm. and that I'm worthy of my dreams because I didn't. I did not feel worthy. I I often thought about taking my own life, if I'm being honest and being completely open when I was younger, because I just didn't feel like life was worth living. And um, this transition, I would say, and I used to go down the slippery slope often because I just didn't know how to combat the bad things that had happened to me. I felt like that was what I equated to. That's That was my worth, and it really wasn't. So it took a lot of work, a lot of, um, a lot of journaling. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of reading, uh, affirmations, things that sound like corny, but honestly, I can tell you it, it works wonders if you truly stick to it and start believing in it. Um, but that's where the transition, I would say in the past four years is where uh, my thinking change started to change. That takes time. There's a lot of unpacking to do, a lot of unlearning to do in that process. Was that uncomfortable at the beginning? Like what, what was the... You know, what was that early work like for you and and how did you keep going through that? Because it's I've been there myself, not in your situation, of course, but with any change, starting something new can be very uncomfortable and it it's very easy to walk away and 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 not not keep moving forward. I think it got to a point for me where it's just like I got sick and tired of feeling worthless and I just made a decision to not change or get away from this route because I felt like this is the only thing that I hadn't tried. You know what I mean? Like, tried smoking, drinking, living my best life. Daniel used air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is an audio medium, so an audio got a lot of people know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I tried all that, and it didn't... I still felt like crap the next day. You know, I didn't feel any mm. better i have to say self-discipline is probably one of my stronger traits and i just put my mind to like all right i want to feel better i want to be better i want to feel like life is worth living i used to be heavy in the church and even that didn't help and i hate to have to say that but it didn't like just going to church every sunday and um 
reading all the scriptures I wanted to, it didn't change the way that I thought about myself. Hmm. It wasn't until, like I said, I met up with Mikey and he was helping me unpack that baggage. And, you know, I, I've never been one to shy away from my mistakes because of how hard I used to be on myself because I didn't feel worthy. So it mm. wasn't much for me to say, all right, let's just do better. Let's stick to it. You want, And it started with golf again, like golf. <laughs> and once I started unpacking the reasons why I was thinking the way that I was on the golf course, it's because of the way that I was feeling about myself. It was like, all right, so in order for me to get to the next level, I need to take another step back and work on my past traumas because it's not going to get any better until I start to, because how can I expect to be a great golfer? If I don't think that I'm great in itself. Yeah. Mm. You know, if yeah. I don't feel like I'm worthy, then how can I feel like I'm going to be a PGA tour player? So it, it, it was like, um, it's like step by step. It was a process in it all. And here I am now. And still working. And still working. Still mm-hmm. read my affirmations every day. Still, yeah. Looking in the mirror, instead of saying I love myself, I'm like, boy, you look good today. Yes. <laughs> you know fade, I mean? The fade looks tight. The beard looking the beard you know? is bearding. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, um we, we were talking to uh Hannah Tannenbaum a while back, and one of her daily affirmations every morning is to walk into the mirror, her bathroom mirror, and give herself a high five. Like you're looking yeah. at yourself and you know, you tell yourself, look, I see you. Let's just, let's touch and agree. Today's going to be a good day. I see you. You're worthy. Everything you're doing, it, you trust the process. Um, that's beautiful. Uh, w- w- when you, when you first got on the call, I was going to ask you, you said you're in Florida. Um, I, I don't know if this is your home base now, but I see a poster on your wall back there and mm-hmm. I wanted to feel free you do not have to answer this you don't have to tell us what it says but it looks like it's got some some words on it so i wonder if that's part of your your daily affirmation and and what it says no that is not a part of my daily affirmation or what it says that was that was in her when i moved into this place he's like this isn't even my house yeah Yeah. hotel (laughs) (laughs) from the top make it drop (laughs) (laughs) it definitely won't be that i can tell (laughs) but no it says uh like love is patient love is kind love is uh long suffering it's um that old scripture but yeah what is that psalms i want to say first corinthians that sounds like corinthian it's the it's the (laughs) the wedding verse yeah yeah the songs at weddings yeah, every pastor says it at every wedding ceremony. You, right, you right? Right. It's classic. Yeah. But <laughs> believe it or Only not, that was, that was there when I moved in. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I want to ask you about your name. Ooh. It's so cool and strong. Daniel Theo Augustus the Fourth. That is a beautiful name. Thank you. What does your name mean to you? How do you reflect on that? So when I was a kid, well, my middle name, Theo, is short for Theophilus. So, it just got so much dang. cooler. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so in its entirety, it's Daniel Theophilus Augustus IV. Wow. Um, Damn. Ish. 
signature long as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run Running out of ink. <laughs> the pen went dry. Need more dots. Need more dots on the line. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I hated. I used to get teased for my middle name so much. Um, mm. I used to get called Snuffleupagus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you're talking to a Bradford. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you understand where I'm coming from, B. Exactly. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't no that ain't no black name, man. What type of name is that? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as I got older and I learned what each name means, and that I'm the fourth. Honestly, I started to fall in love with it, and I'm proud to bear this name. Like it, it does have strength to it, and it does have a lot of meaning behind it. And um, I can honestly say I'm happy to have this name, and I, I love telling mm. people what my full name is. That's, That's so dope. fucking beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Right. <laughs> and what I mean, so what? What is what is some of the some of the meanings? But where where does it fit into your life, especially as a golfer? Right. We talked about. Mm-hmm golf being an individual sport it's your name that's on the back of the caddy's bibs it's your name on the on the leaderboard when you see your name up there add to this you post all of your uh your your score sheets on on instagram which i love to see Mm -hmm. that that's that's that feels like another validation to yourself when you see that name up there you know t2 one daniel (laughs) augustus the fourth How does that sit with you? How does that resonate? I mean, anytime you see a name on top of a leaderboard, it feels great. I mean, it's like, come sure. on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we really asking right now? Can, can, you try and, can you try and explain what that feels like? Actually, Connor's actually won something, so he he can maybe attest to this. So he'll mute and you tell Drew and I what that feels <laughs> like. Yeah, softest ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm never so gonna forget that. Award. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Every time I do see my name, I want to say I feel proud. No, happy. A sense of that's strong, like the strength. But whenever I do do something well and I see my name up there, it's like it's a feeling of uh, man, the hard work's paying off. This is why you didn't give up. This is why you're still playing golf. This is why you're still hurt. And it it keeps it gives you that little bit of extra motivation to keep going and take that next next step. You have been like atop the leaderboards on the APGA for the past few years. Like people, when when you're in the when you're in the field, like people know it's about to be a dogfight. Like, oh, Dan, Daniel's out. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's the way. And I, and I know that because I I know some of the players on tour. It's it's really hard to describe unless you've either competed in an APGA event, you've witnessed an APGA event, you've covered one, or uh, for for like I don't know, sixty percent of the golfing world even know what the APGA is. Right, it's a special tour, yeah. and I love that word tour because you travel together, you compete together, you you grind together, you spend a lot of time together on and off the golf course so when you're traveling say the tournament's in alabama say it's in barbados wherever it is who are some of the people that you look forward to seeing at these tournaments 
To be honest with you, pretty much everybody. I mean, we're all like a big family, but um, I do travel with Cameron Riley, Joey Steeles, and Mahindra Lachman. I love Mah- Mahindra. He's a great kid. He's a good kid, man. I love that, that kid yeah. to death. Um, but they're all like my brothers. There's, there's three, I would say. But uh, even seeing Wyatt Warrington, me and Wyatt always chop it up about rap and just music, period. I'm actually a pretty big hip-hop fan, even though I'm from the islands. Every time I see Wyatt, like we might even just start a conversation with bars from our favorite rappers. Like, <laughs> 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 Joe Hawks, always a good face to see. Joe's always going to make sure that you get a laugh before you leave uh, seeing him. I mean, pretty much everybody on the tour of all good. Montreal Wells is like an older brother. It's always great to see Tim because Tim's going to have a joke. For for us, Tim O'Neill, the elder statesman, the elder statesman, <laughs> and shout out to Tim because he was someone that I looked up to growing up in Bermuda because he was really, of course, Tiger. That's, I mean, I can't forget Tiger, but Tim was like the next guy that I remember seeing on TV and uh, hearing about as a black golfer. It's like, man, this guy Tim O'Neill is really good, man. I, I want to mm. be like him when I grow up. Um, so. For him to still be whooping our asses <laughs> at this point. At 50. At 50. <laughs> Giving y'all work. He's, he's five zero. He's 50? He's 50. Yeah. He wow. just turned 50. Yeah. He just wow. turned 50. great for 50. That's incredible. He is one of the best golfers I think this world has ever seen. I know he hasn't made it to the big stage yet, but honestly, he's one of the guys I feel like he could have and should. You know what I mean? Like, Tim is... Yeah. Tim is that dude, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. Michael Herrera is another guy on the tour <laughs> that I also enjoy seeing. Me and him always talk about um, Bane from Batman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, do you guys, what do you guys talk about with, with Bane? What comes up? Oh, because I, I, I do impersonations of Bane. Uh, <laughs> don't ask me to do it. Okay. Ah, <laughs> no. I was about to say you should have told right. us that. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is That's an audio good. medium. <laughs> it's good uh, for impressions. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They can't see my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so many. Like everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you damn near named the whole field. Yeah, I was gonna say that. that. You and, uh, just named the whole tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that, but that, that That's shows. A football team. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 That shows how how tight y'all are that yeah. all of those people just came to mind i think yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's incredible one thing that that you had said is that when you get into your flow state it's it's when you're smiling and and when you're happy and it seems like the the apga is a is a brotherhood as well and and you get along with a lot of the guys um some you know better than others uh, this is a question that we generally ask at the end of the podcast but since we're talking about it what can you can you think of a time when you've laughed the hardest on the golf course? Uh, so there, I was just thinking about it. There's this one time back in Bermuda, uh, there's a pond on the golf course that I grew up on. Not the biggest of ponds, but this guy was fishing out golf balls and he wasn't the nicest member at the golf course. He actually <laughs> fell into the pond. And <laughs> 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 oh, man. halfway through the story yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Oh man, let me tell you something. We were laughing for weeks about that <laughs> because we 
I mean, we gave him a nickname and everything that he didn't know about. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was the Tell best the moment. What's the nickname? What's the sp- splash basin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was fishing yeah. for those pro v's and he, he took a little tumble didn't he yeah. he got he got a little bit too greedy <laughs> damn had it coming damn yeah. that is such a good nickname yeah splash basin <laughs> i hope he doesn't hurt us because <laughs> he has nobody last name exactly who was talking about <laughs> well <laughs> if, if, if there's anything i can tell you um about the analytics that we get from the free platform that we're recording this podcast on anchor it's that bermuda listens to group golf therapy so there's a chance out of nowhere there from, is a slim from, chance from the nosebleeds bermuda from the comes, nosebleeds, comes bermuda in with the listen through yeah right <laughs> well that was I'm also sorry. just like a eight second ad for anchor thank you anchor, for providing a, a free platform for us to be recording today uh, uh, sorry for telling your story splash business but uh <laughs> splash. that is so funny all right moving right along daniel a, a ggt house favorite what are some of your favorite golf smells Ooh, uh, I would say the smell of the ocean. Nothing mm. beats it. Like that fresh salt water hitting your, your nostrils uh, as you look yeah. out into the ocean and admire its beauty. Uh, mm. And also, I would say pine trees. You know, you don't want to be too close to them, but they do smell pretty good <laughs> <laughs> certain times of the year. Yeah, it, it's not a bad result for, for hitting your ball in the woods. It's it's not a bad punishment No, for getting to smell the pine mm. trees. Mm-hmm. I would say those two smells. So you say you're a, a hip hop head, and I'm curious uh, when you walk up to the first tee at your favorite golf course, they allow you a song to play through the speakers as you're about to hit your first tee shot. Mm-hmm. What's your song? See, now this is a tough one for me because it depends on the day. It could be You Don't Know or Public Service Announcement by Jay Z, it could be. Uh, Cooler Than a Bitch by Gunna. Um, mm. Oh, I love that one. Man. He fucking slides on that song. Bro, every time I heard that song, I'm like, man, I wish I was in the studio when he made this. Because the vibe of it is just, I haven't found too many songs that can match the actual vibe of it. And his flow and his cadence and his delivery yes. on it. It's just, it goes so well together. It could be a Bob Marley song one day. Depend, You know what I mean? It just depends on how I'm vibing that day. All right, so Daniel, you you had those three songs played, and then you go out and you win you win the whole damn thing, and then the next year they bring you back champions dinner in your honor, of course. <clears throat> and this is where we were we were coming back to the the cooking, the home cooking, the all of that good stuff. What would be on Daniel Theopolis Augustus the Fort's championship dinner menu? And you can have any food from any person, any restaurant, anything. <sighs> But what would be your, your perfect meal? Yeah, what's coming off that crusty cast iron pan? Yes. <laughs> so off the cast iron pan, definitely uh, Bermuda fish cakes. Mm. It's like a crab cake, sort of the same consistency, but it's made out of fish, potato, flour, fry it up. So good. Um, that would be the appetizer, I would say. I like food too much, man. Why are you asking me this question? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go off. Go off. 
if I'm feeling very, very Bermudian, it would be conch stew with white rice and steamed vegetables. Conch stew, like the the shellfish? Conch? The shellfish, yeah. So, like, yeah. in Bermuda, mm. they do a stew where it's like kind of like a curry stew. It's got, like, uh, yeah. carrots and peas, conch, potato. You put that over some rice, man, goes hard. Oof. Some oxtail. <laughs> Yo. Mm-hmm. Oxtail, rice, and peas. Man, you make, me, you make me want to go to the Jamaican store now. Um, <laughs> do what you got to do. Yeah, it's only 9 o'clock. I might be the, the definite close. <laughs> I don't know if you know about yeah. Jamaican restaurants, but they... <laughs> we not have that. We not have that. <laughs> we not have that. <laughs> and then for dessert, it's got to be it's got to be cheesecake, man. It's got to be. How do you take your cheesecake? Free? No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's an answer. That's an answer. That is an answer. Um, I typically like strawberry cheesecake. All right. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Daniel, we are very graciously sponsored by um, the good folks at Red Rooster. They make our favorite golf gloves. And we have a we have a segment on this show that we called Get a Grip, where we're going to give you a full uninterrupted minute to get something off your chest to rant about anything in the golf world. It could be a hot take. It could be something that's grinding your gears right now. Mm-hmm. But that'll be our, our get a grip segment presented by Red Rooster. All right. So my biggest gripe in the golf world right now is I don't understand how live and the PGA Tour cannot coexist. Mm. Competition is never a bad thing. So for the PGA Tour to be acting the way that they are, towards the players that went to live to me it's a little bit troubling because Mm. they clearly had all this money all this time right they up the Mm. purses now they are guaranteeing people with status 150k each why couldn't they have done this this entire time and even with the the guys from live you made your careers through the pga tour don't 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 talk the PGA tour and all that you're playing mm. on live and making mm. a little bit more money. Like everybody can coexist. Just get along, man. It's not like there was an issue when uh guys were going to play European tour events that had bigger purses while smaller PGA tour events were going on. But because y'all were buddy buddy, it's okay. Like uh like the Qatar Masters, no one had any issues when players were getting appearance fees to go and play in Qatar, the Qatar Masters, but all of a sudden, Liv has a tour uh, that's funded by unfortunate, uh, I shouldn't say unfortunate, but by oil money, and all of a sudden, it's an issue. It wasn't an issue before. Why is it an issue now? Everybody, just get your acts together. You two can coexist perfectly fine. Give the Liv guys world-ranking points. PGA Tour, it's okay to have competition. Everybody just shut up and play golf. Daniel, Theo, Augustus, the fourth. Get a grip. Get a grip. Yes. There we go. Get a grip. <laughs> Get a grip. <laughs> Love it. Daniel, Theophilus, Augustus, the fourth. We also are graciously sponsored by BetterHelp. It is an online therapy platform. Folks can access 24-7, 365 therapy around the clock, anytime, any day. And they graciously sponsor this podcast. So we have a segment where we have these angel cards okay and um each connor you do so well at explaining this this segment will you, will oh, you, will you please 
you, I'll, 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 I'll graciously take your handshake as, as a step in. We have, we have 72 what we call intention cards. Mm-hmm. 72 is a good golf number, as you know. Each of those cards has a word on it, love or joy or peace or abundance or something like that. Bradford is randomly going to select one of these cards, but it's not random. He's picking it just for you. Okay. He's going to show you this card. And if you could describe how this, how the card that Bradford picks is fitting into your life right now. Your word today is compassion. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That's good. That's a good one. It's not hard to show compassion to your peers. You don't know what people are facing. You don't know what people are going through. Someone cuts you off in traffic, just let them slide. Don't hunk them down. Don't get road rage. If someone's being mean to you, you know, they have their own issues. Have compassion on them. I felt like it, I feel like if the world had more compassion, we would just be in a better place as human beings. I honestly feel that way about pretty much everything. Like compassion is something that I think that all of us can carry a little bit more of. And it would just make the world a better place. Well said. Man, thank you so much for this time. Oh, man, it's been my pleasure. I just want to thank you guys for having me on the show, man. This was dope. I enjoyed myself. Worth came up today, worthiness, in several iterations. And um, I just got to say, I've only known you for an hour at this point. But I feel very grateful, too, in that short time. I look across the digital divide. I, I look at you on my screen and I, I see somebody who is kind and humble and thoughtful and dedicated. Someone who is clearly beyond worthy of love and success. I hope you continue to remind yourself of that because it's, it's important and you are worthy of it. Thank you, Connor, man. That, that's really great of you to say, man. Thank you. This was awesome, man. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, shout out to little Ray Ray. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we used to have like a like a little button on the end where we're like, anything you want to plug, tell tell people where they can find you. Know, like I've, most podcasts do that. But if there is anything you want to plug, go ahead. No, man, I'm just grateful to be here. And um, to those of you that may be fighting depression, just keep on fighting. Better days are coming. As long as you're breathing, you have a chance for you to be better. So just keep on fighting for your Mm. own mental health. Keep loving yourself. Mm. Keep pushing forward. It's not about perfection. It's about persistence. I love that. Man. Thank you so much, Daniel. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for a good evening, fellas. Mm.